What's up, gamers? This is Battle Ballot Podcast, episode 48, The Curse is Broken. Uh, for anyone that isn't familiar, the Battle Mallet Podcast is the journey of... Why are you guys laughing? Because like, I asked you a question right and then you didn't go right into yeah. the show. Like, like, <laughs> like, here's the question. Let's just kick the show off. Like, Trace is answering. And you're like, just I went, gone. I, I went, is it... <laughs> I said thanks, Trace. Did I ask a question? I was going to say you're West. I was going to say you're welcome. Oh, and okay. that, Apparently. you know, it's fine. I'm just going to acknowledge you and make you feel noticed and loved. This is so great. Like, this oh. is what this podcast is about right here is three dads playing games that they love, balancing life with those games, and going to Nova every year and cracking each other up because we don't do this often enough. That's right. Yep. So, yeah. So, consummate professionals. That's right. Just knocking it right out of the park in <laughs> podcast production. It was like, like the, if it, we were really produced, that would have been terrible. It'd been like three, two, and then like you ask a question or make a statement and then just start. Just jump right in. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is, I, I have neither the face nor the, the voice for television and apparently <laughs> for radio either. That's really funny yeah it's good yeah so in this episode uh we are going to talk about the tournament that jason and i attended three weeks ago and it feels like it was a year ago just because january has been crazy uh and that's pretty much all we've got on the docket other than catching up on what we've been up to so uh trace uh yeah so it's been um it's been a busy January. I've actually not done a lot of hobbying, um, quite honestly. I've been distracted by video games and other stuff that I've, you know, just life and being sick and all kinds of fun stuff like that. So I have not been as on the hobby train as I would like to be. Um, but we've, I don't, have I played a game in January? I don't think I have. It's been a, it's been a month. So, um, so thanks for asking moving on. <laughs> I think, I think that's something actually to talk about. I, I know that a lot of our listeners are geared up LVOs currently going on this weekend, but January seems to happen to least to us all the time. This way is like, we all get in this dark pit of non hobby despair and then in a month, Nova registration will kick off, and that's normally what snaps us out of our the funk. Like not, yeah, like not painting, not having hobby goals or whatever it is. Um, January always does. Now, luckily, Jared and I have played both in a tournament and in a local meetup. But you know, I'm I'm right there with you, Trace. Like from a hobby standpoint, I, I mean, Jared and I were talking about the other day, like I still have loon court to put together. Um, same. I have, if, if this was a TV show, you would see boxes and junk all over the guest bed in here, like just getting ready to do the yearly hobby purge and, and clean out. Um, but yeah, January is, is rough, but I'm glad that we went to the tournament. I'm glad that we, Got it. The the local meetup. Um, I don't even remember what I played at the local meet. Oh, I played uh, Ravagers at the local meetup. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we've actually had up. two meetups in January. You did. I was at 
Yeah. That was in Asheville. So yeah, yeah. Good for you. Good for you, right. sir. You got the most games this month. I'm trying. I'm trying, man. We got to build this local community. So yeah. So you played Ravagers and Jason, you said something that night. Um, I think you're like out of teaching mode, right? Like we've got, like our community is, they're getting strong enough that you don't have to play your games in teaching mode every time anymore. Right. Yeah. That was fun that the, that night where with Jake, um, not being in the whole, like, Oh, do this, do that. Uh, did you think about this move or did you know this rule? It was just, just play now. Granted, I still brought Kagra, but, uh, um, it wasn't what my first pick would have been, but it was nice to actually play games. And it was very refreshing. Um, so that was really twice this month that that happened and, and I needed that. Um, you know, we'll, we'll kick back into the teaching mode here just in a little over a week as we go to atomic empire for a learn to play day. Um, but I do think every once in a while, it's good to spread your wings and just roll dice and not have to worry about teaching. Yeah, I agree. And that, I mean, that's how the games went on, uh, on the, this past Monday, uh, when I went out for the meetup, it was myself and Brian and Jake. So Brian and Jake are, Jake's been playing for a while and Brian is one that we got sucked into the game in the tournament or yeah, the rivals tournament, the GW host tournament at games workshop in yeah. Raleigh here. Um, and I mean, he is rip roaring ready to go. And, and I mean, I didn't, I didn't really pull any punches either. I, you know, I would ask questions maybe after the game or after scoring or something about a play that somebody made that at the time didn't make sense to me, but, um, but there was one situation where, you know, he, uh, Jake attacked a fighter that had already charged instead of another adjacent fighter that had not charged. And I was like, why would you do that? Well, it turns out that he had a card in his hand that scored him two glory if he didn't have any, any enemy fighters in his own territory. And so, yeah, so that was the right play at the right time. Uh, even if it meant that my fighter got an attack off. So um, it's cool to see, you know, all of those puzzle pieces starting to fall in place for, you know, what are basically new players to the game. Yeah. And it's been really cool to see as they transition into Nemesis, just they go from playing rivals thinking that it's a really fun game. And then they kind of mix some cards and they're like, Oh, this plays so much better you know, differently different or better, better, or whatever. Insert, yeah. Insert descriptor. Yeah. yeah. Which has been cool. Cool to see even with Eddie. Right. So, right. Yeah. Um, that has been really cool. You know, you know what else is really cool that we didn't talk about on the last podcast. What's that? Just the state of which underworlds is in. So mm. I'm going to climb up on my soapbox here and say why the rivals deck additions have made this game even something more than that I will love and treasure forever. So previously until this season, we had all these binders of cards, right? Season one, season two, season three and rotation would come along and I'd rotate my cards out and it was a whole lot of fun. And then I put them in this other binder and then I put this binder in a, in a, acrylic bin and we would go to play and I'd be like, 
man, I should take these cards with me. What if, what if we just want to have some fun and just deck build something crazy, play Relic or play Arena Mortis? Well, I've been playing this game for six years now, I believe. If I add everything together, five years, five years? Five, five plus years. years. Yeah, right? You know how many times I've busted out old season cards? I'm, I'm going to say once. Well, tra- Trace is saying twice. twice. <laughs> uh, it, I, what I can recall is once. It may have been twice because we played the Gargant. Um, mm. And then Arena Mortis once. So it may, it may have been twice. May. But the new change in format of Nemesis and these Rivals decks has really made this game like a board game where I can grab any Warband, their deck, or any Warband and a Rivals deck and just play the board game, which means that as long as this game is made, I will have something that's quick and accessible, whether decks rotate in and rotate out. So for me, the investment cost into the game is a million times more worth it now than it was previously. And I'm super excited about that. Like, I think of, you know, Emma and Aiden growing, growing up and, you know, Aiden six years from now, seven years from now, and having some, I don't know, like flying bat beast warband and going, hmm, I wonder how Tooth and Claw will play with this. And really, it doesn't matter because you just pick the warband and pick up the deck and go play. Or even if we wanted to play Nemesis, building a deck takes about five seconds to do because you're only like picking from 64 cards instead of 600 or 6,000 by that point. Um, so I just, I think it was, a, it's a, been a great refreshing update. And more importantly, I'm 2023 is the great purge year. So all those old cards, they're gone. There is no reason for me to hold on to them. Even as a collector, I just, I just don't need them. What I need is more Rivals decks. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited about the idea that we'll be able to just grab stuff off the shelf and play. It's, I mean, it makes it easy now. It makes it easy to host like a game night because you can just, you don't have to say, oh man, well I have, I have these three cards from the essentials pack and these three cards from these universal cards already in my deck. So let me take my deck apart so that you can use them. It's like, no, like here's a war band. Here's a deck. Let's just sit down and play. It's a board game, right? It's a living yeah. board game, which yeah. is really cool. Yeah. That, that was what I, Jason and I talked about this the other night. Like it's just, I feel the same way about like Marvel crisis protocol to you. Like even though we may not necessarily play play that as in its current state, or if the rules state even exists anymore, it's. I mean, I feel the same way about Underworlds and this, that game. I can still pick up that game and play it with my son three, four years from now. And I feel like the Underworlds is in that same space now too. I don't feel like it was that way before. No, because there was a pregame investment that had to happen before. I mean, you could have, in the later seasons, you could always play Rivals, but you're stuck with, like, one option for that that Warband, right? Right. Now you're going to have 
a number of options for a number of warbands would just make the replay replayability and the intrigue there. Um, you're not having to build the deck and find cards. And I just don't think we talk about enough is like, yes, it's changed the game. Nemesis rivals has changed the game from the way that we played for many, many years, but the longevity of the game for me and the excitability, like the excitement around the game going forward to be able to experience it with much, a lot more people or easily approachable for people um, just outweighs that. And then there's one other point that we have yet to mention on this podcast that was a sticking point back in when we played a couple years ago for a couple local players. And um, with this last release of Loon Court, they've shown that you do not have to purchase everything now. So you're able to buy Rivals decks on their own. You can buy that Warband, whether they, if you like them or not, there's no hidden cards within Warband um, updates. Not the only thing that you'll have to buy is the season starter set, right? Like there are rivals decks in there. That's a hundred or less dollar purchase, depending on where you get it. Which twice a year is not too bad for me. And then you pick and choose what else you want to buy for your for your hobby. And I think that that was a huge update to the game that has kind of gone a little under the radar. That I, I, I don't have to buy Lincourt, or I didn't have to buy Fearsome Fortress, or I don't have to buy the new, uh, um, the updated Blade Coven. What are they called? I don't even know what the heck they're called. The Sisters of Slaughter. I don't know what they're, uh, I don't remember what yeah. the name of them was. I was real sleepy the other night when we were watching yeah. that. I was falling asleep. Jason was laughing at me. <laughs> yeah, oh, you yeah. were. I didn't even make, I wasn't even going to pretend like I was going to make it through there. <laughs> what are they called? Let's find this out real quick. This just an old man stays up past 1 a.m., falls asleep while watching broadcast. Yeah. Griselle's Aaron I. Yeah. So if you don't like them, you don't have to buy those that pick those up. I'm going to pick them up because they look sweet and I like Blade Coven original. So I'm ready to go for this. And the the few cards they previewed, they look really good. Looks, looks cool. Like granted her inspires off like a critical hit. But she can also inspire in the third round, so that's right. fine. Um, yeah, like if you're going to be cagey with her, then she'll be inspired for the third round. Or I don't know. I mean, I don't know how critical she is. There is that one cool upgrade where all of those different flourishes stay in effect. I mean, but that's the only thing that we know that we've seen. Yeah, I think that, like the maybe she's not critical for the warband. So you could just use her as a missile early and use the other ladies later. Yeah. Well, unlike Morgwaith, which you need her to kind of run the warband, right? Like, yeah, I mean, you need her like to she's... inspire the yeah. others, right? Unless it is the third round. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So that's a cool she's little in, She's integral to that warband, though, in a lot of ways, though. She's with her range, too. And oh, yeah. Like, she's, she's just one of the best pieces, and you don't want to lose her early. Yeah. <clears throat> And there's also a, a you know a Nurgle mechanic in this new warband coming out too, where mm-hmm. uh, at least on her card she's an acrobatic. So if she rolls a dodge, she reduces damage by one, and she's on two dodges. So I'm I mean this is kind of kind of cool. Like I'm I'm sure they'll be squishy. Like again, we only have the one preview for 
hurt for the leader. So my assumption is, is they'll probably have like kind of the same basic stats as blade coven, but, um, you know, two dodges, not shabby. And then I'm reducing damage. So I don't know. I'm, I'm excited for them. But I, again, the point being is if this isn't your flavor of Warband, that's fine. And whatever, I don't even know that they announce a deck coming out with it. I know there's a picture of a deck, but there will be a, you know, a forthcoming universal rival deck um, that if you like it, pick it up. If not, who knows? Jared's like feverishly looking at his computer screen. Yeah. Sorry. It was like a, f- a flourish of activity. Too many clicks. <laughs> I'll edit them out. <laughs> I mean, it, again, those two things of this game have just really got me jazzed up of like, hey, this game is kind of, it's going to be a staple. Because I was worried about that for a while. Like what happens when Underworlds ends and I have 48 warbands or 50 warbands? Like, what am I going to do with them? Because I'm never going to get anyone to build a deck, like, again, once the game is oh, over. Gosh, no. But now I'll be like, no, Aiden, sit down and play with me. Play yeah. with your old man. That's right. <laughs> Stay a while. And or the, the really cool story would be Aiden or Emma has a friend over. And they're like, hey. Teach them how to play. My dad has all this stuff where we can have warriors fight against each other. Here, here's pick your favorite. Look at Which all of these awesome warbands. Pick the, yeah. pick the one that you think is the coolest, and we'll just play against each other. I mean, what's really fun about that story is you think that I'm going to let someone that is not one of my children touch my painted warbands. But I, I, mean, I mean, hey, that's fair. <laughs> I, I mean, Who knows? I know. as you get older, you may loosen up on that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, we've we've seen Aiden literally smashing marvel crisis protocol models in the background before so yeah but again that's my son right that's true yeah yeah yeah. right when i let other people touch my models they break the warden's staff and whatnot and the champion sword poor poor (laughs) sepulchral guard i don't know who would do that (laughs) it's happened on multiple occasions is it not not regularly destroy your models i don't know (laughs) It's a mystery. <laughs> Call Robert Stack. <laughs> that, that's, that's a dated reference right there. <laughs> oh. So I, I don't know. Are we done? That one tickled me a little. <laughs> Tonight on Unsolved Mysteries. Yep. I mean, you want to talk about like like that whole kid saying, Hey, can we play on the great purge of 2023? We cleaned out the attic and I I'll tell you, I had stuff up there since we moved into the house 10 years, 11 years ago, 10 years, 10 years ago. And, uh, it just all was going out. Right. So we're carrying everything down, moving it into the garage. So it can sit there for another 10 years until it actually gets out to the, to the dump. Um, but I had tackle boxes full of Halo clicks and Hero clicks. Oh my clicks. gosh! Yeah, like tat, like huge tackle boxes full. Well, the Hero clicks didn't make it downstairs because I was like, I want to play this game. Nice. So it stayed upstairs, but the Halo clicks have—they're gone. 
a, a couple of board games also went. Um, and then I have to actually go through the rack of all the games because the problem is, is a lot of the games are G- GW adjacent, um, but it's just too much stuff, gentlemen. Too much stuff. Yep. It's time to go. I'm feeling inspired. I'm feeling like February might be might be the purge month. Purge month for the Johnson household. I've been doing it for the past year, off and on. You have it's been. felt good. You've actually found some nuggets and made a little bit more than chump change on some eBay uh, yeah. sales. Yeah, some impulse purchases at the time have turned into have my investments have grown. I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah. I had some. I'll, I'll share a story of that. I guess real quick before we move on. Um, I had two sets of the original Custodes dice that they released when they released Adeptus Custodes for the first time as an army for 40k. I bought two sets of them with every intention of playing with Adeptus Custodes. One was in box and the other one was opened. Both of them sold for like like $100 each. Those sets of dice did. It's just crazy. Some person in Australia bought both of them. And I was like, holy crap. How many dice were in each one? It was like 30 in each one. I mean, maybe 24. Might have been 24. I think 24 in each one or 30. No, it was 30. If it was 30, it's like $3 a dice. Yeah, it was nuts. I mean, and I was like, I mean, I just put them up on eBay for basically what they cost me, right? Because they they don't make them anymore. So I was just like, I'll just make my money back. Little did I know I was going to make like $200 on those things. That's awesome. Yeah, just, and people are, I mean, especially with dice. So like if you, if you've bought dice as a Warhammer player, if you've bought dice just on a whim and you have all of them, somebody wants them and they don't make them anymore. And people are dice crazy. Um, like one person on this call and <laughs> and um they will pay an exorbitant amount of money for those dice so psa if you don't want to use those dice if you're not going to use those dice you have all of them you can put money on ebay make some money i can i'm rich with all the dice i own then i would imagine you would be you've probably <laughs> got enough to pay for your nova twi- nova trip twice over in your dice that you have bud actually yeah that wouldn't surprise me we, uh, I mean, just not hobby adjacent, but Sarah, so like the clean out is not just hobby. Uh, the next time you gentlemen are over, when you see the playroom, it's like, you can actually see the room. Like there's like five things in there. It's amazing. Oh. Um, so, but even we cleaned out other stuff. Like we had stuff from our wedding that we've never oh, wow. used like stemware and vases and yeah, all this stuff. And we had this, uh, butterfly I don't know, Lennox, right? Like a Lennox type base oh, yeah, or yeah. whatever that had a butterfly yeah. on it. And one of Sarah's friends has an eBay store. And she's like, do you want this for your store? Like it's been in our closet for whatever. So she gave it to her. <laughs> she posted it. Like it. It's up to like nine. Probably. No, it's up to $95 right oh, now. Wow. It's been up for one day. Like, oh, wow. Something that we were just going to throw away. I'm like, holy cow. I'll take, I'll take 90 bucks. It's fine. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah, my wife never lets me live down the Waterford pitcher that I broke when we moved the first time. <laughs> Oops. It was, it was mistakes were made. It happens. She reminds yeah. me of it at least once a year. 
And sometimes the warden spear gets broken. Yeah. Just like we're about to take a break. And we're back. Well, gentlemen, two of you entered the arena of combat a few weeks ago. I was not able to attend, unfortunately, which is why I'm going to lead this segment. <laughs> so I um, figured we would take a few minutes just to talk through um, what your overall thoughts, thoughts were on the event and um, how you thought it went. You know, traveling for an event is always fun, especially when you get to have some time with buddies in the car for the travel and stuff like that. So um, let's, uh, let's just start with like overall impressions of the event. Like how many folks showed up? Um, what kind of war bands did you guys see? Were there any surprises there that you thought you weren't going to see? Those are a couple probing questions for the beginning. Yeah, no. So those are great questions to kick it off with. And I think it's important to start with thanking Brandon Haas for hosting and running the event. Um, he is a, an avid player, uh, regularly active in the various uh, online modes of play. Um, you know, he's traveled up to play in our events. So for him to not participate in uh, an, a, an officially supported event in that there was an OP kit there um, was really cool. And that computer store had a pretty decent layout for the size that we had there. Um, there were six of us total, uh, playing. So, you know, not, not a huge grand clash level, but enough that we got, you know, games in and nobody had to play the same person twice. And that's good. No ringer. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And the even number meant that there was no ringer. Um, so that was good. I brought the gnarl spirit pack. Jason, you brought hex bean. Yeah. And then um, Taylor Huss brought the Gnarl Spirit Pack. Hank Hunt brought Grincrack Saloon Court. His son Aiden brought the Seraphon, the Starblood Stalkers. Mm. And then the late arrival. I don't remember his name. I didn't play him, so I don't feel as bad. But he brought Shadeborn. I want to say Chen. Shadeborn guy. Shadeborn. Shadeborn guy. Yeah. I guess we could do some research on BCP and figure out his name. So that's not <laughs> that's not a terrible turnout for a little local store tournament, honestly. No. With the with the current state of how everything is. Um, you know, people getting back into the game, maybe not quite comfortable going out to a tournament yet, just still kind of learning the ropes of the game, so on and so forth. So that's that's a nice little turnout. And you guys traveled to Columbia, South Carolina, right? That was where you guys went. That, that's where that computer store is at. Yep. Um, it's a nice little jaunt. What, like four hours for travel? Yeah, I think it was just under four from Jason's house. But yep. the highlight of the trip was stopping at the Bucky's. <laughs> yeah. So... For anyone that isn't familiar, Bucky's is a gas station, and I use the word gas station very loosely here, that originated in Texas. So as they say, everything's bigger in Texas. This is a, a gas station whose square footage is the size of like, like a, a grocery store <laughs> with a full retail section with clothing and wow. knickknacks and 
in-home decor and how many pumps are we talking oh a hundred pumps holy crap 100 gas pumps and then i don't know jason what like 30 charging stations yeah it's i mean so for me being in the industry it's nice to stop and just experience a different business model and bucky's is is that um yeah there's I, i think there's 20 ev um electric vehicle chargers at that site, but a hundred gas pumps and it, you know, just there's no diesel, um, trucks. So there is diesel pumping stations, but they don't allow 18 wheelers on their lots. Oh wow. And it's just like, I mean, they sell grills and fire pits and it's just, it's crazy. Um, they also don't sell bottled Pepsi products, which just boggles my mind. Um, but anyway, it was great to get out there, have some fun with Jared and drag him along while I do competitor reconnaissance on a fuel station. <laughs> um, but yeah, there were that isn't that why we travel to events, right? And to get down to Columbia with Brandon and all them again uh, was a great time. It was well worth the ride. And, you know, six players is still six players. It means that I yeah. got to play uh, three different players that, that I've never played before. That's not true. That's not true. That's not. But I got to play three games in a tournament setting where I could just play the game and not yeah. worry about the yeah. other person making a mistake. So, yeah, you're not worried about you're not activating both parts of your brain where you're, you're trying to teach somebody how to play and still trying to have fun yourself at the same time. Yeah. I mean, teaching the game is fun, but it can be it kind of takes you out of the experience a little bit sometimes. Yeah, um, like you were saying in the intro. So, um. Well, that's great. I mean, six players is a great turnout. Um, um, it doesn't sound like there was any like surprises as far as the more bands because those all are all fairly recent. Um, the most, yeah, I think the only the, the only surprise dated one would be the Shadeborn, right? Or no, not Shadeborn. The um, Starblood Stalkers are the oldest war band in that group, right? Would be oldest, yeah. and, the, and Brandon Brandon did have like a ringer deck set up with Steel Hearts. Oh, okay. Um, which he did get to play like a just a you know uh, filling just a fun, game. Yeah. fun game, yeah, in between rounds, uh, and it looked like it functioned really well with Fearsome Fortress. The yeah. only surprise for me was Hank, like being a returning player and like jumping right back in with Loon Court. And I think by the end of the, the end of the day, he had figured out how they kind of work and mm-hmm. gave Ming. Uh, Ming was the Shade One player, uh, kind of a you know a good game. But uh, but that one was was surprising to see someone jumping back into the game and pulling Lunecore. And Jared had the pleasure of playing him first. So I did. I did play him first, and it was it was a little apparent that the warband was new to him. Um, but but it was fun, and I mean, in playing him, I could see how they could do some work when you've got a ranged fighter doing two damage when yeah. you've got uh when you've got the squig with his squig horn able to do three damage i mean that deletes kira and yeah. it did yeah for like, sure just one pop from that squig horn and and they're fairly accurate too yeah so they're yeah. accurate they can add additional supports in a lot of different ways um they've got some ploys and upgrades to gain accuracy or rerolls. So 
Yeah. You know, they're nothing to sneeze at. So, Jason, who was your first game? I know we just talked about Hank was Jared's first opponent. Yeah, so my first game, like, we roll up, and I get paired against um, Taylor, Taylor Huss, and he's playing Carl Spirit. Yeah, we do. We do. We have history from the last event. Uh, But Taylor's a great opponent, but he's playing Gnarl Spirit Pack, um, so I know game one is going to be tough, right? Like, uh, Taylor definitely knows how to play the game, even though he's a younger player and he's playing a very fine-tuned machine. Um, But it didn't exactly go the way I thought it was going to go. So game one was very low scoring. And I wish, uh, actually, I think I did write it down. Um, but I know that I bricked objectives turn one or, you know, uh, turn one. And the funny thing is, is I drew into these objectives every single game. Like I had by the, by the end of the day, by the end of game three, our matchup three, like I was just like ditching my opening objectives because I drew weapons of justice in my opening hand for an objective every single game. Oh, no, it was like, I'm like, really out of every, everything that's in here. Um, I drew into the other one where, uh, uncover the truth, which is like two fighters in enemy territory. Um, every single game as well. And then most of the time I drew move or die, move or die was fine. Um, but uncover truth and weapons of justice, which because uh, I didn't read it, weapons of justice is score this immediately after friendly fighters given their second or subsequent upgrade in the same round, or the second or subsequent subsequent move or charge token is removed from a friendly fighter during the action phase. So they sound great, but like I'm telling you, game one they bricked. Um, I'm pretty sure I scored ten glory game one. Um, so that will tell you how much of a slap fest it was. Um, he did ignore the dogs. Um, he, you know, came in and kind of tried to get into my back back line. Yeah. Game one was 10 to three. So neither of us scored a whole lot of objectives and neither of us really killed anything. I do know that I took out the big guy um, start of round two. And I think Kira fell quickly after that. Um, but it didn't play, didn't play, uh, like I had thought. Um, and then game two was one of those where it swung back and forth. So like I got up real quick, like I jumped right on them. I had a lot of attacks succeed. I think I took out, um, Kira early. Uh, I had wounds on almost all of his fighters and I think it was middle of, uh, turn two in that second game that you could see him kind of go, Oh, I don't have a chance. Like this game's a little out of hand. I want to say Jared, we were talking about when we we're coming home, I think I scored something like six glory in the end phase of turn one. It was just something ridiculous that just everything kind of went off, but then he battled back and <laughs> going into turn three, I was like, Ooh, this is, this is going to be close. Um, and I had to kind of do the runaway. Like I had to split my forces and get into his territory to block some of his scoring. And in the end, I won 18, 11. Um, but it was a much better game and it definitely like could have went either way. Uh, when you're playing two aggro warbands, it comes down to dice, but 
Taylor was a good sport. I was off to one nothing, which set up round two, which was yep. uh, the greatest match of those all time. Who, who played in round two? <laughs> who, who was that? Well, that would I, be so us. Yeah, let me let me look at BCP because I don't remember the pair. <laughs> <laughs> so Jason and I met. I mean, we've known each other. We've been gaming together for. 10 years. Say nine it. years. Ten. Nine years. Nine years? Yeah. Nine years. Nine years. The first time we played each other in a tournament for Warhammer Underworlds, and correct me if I'm wrong, was Nova. That is correct. The first actual tournament? Tournament that we Nova. played against each other mm-hmm. was at Nova. And this, this was Nova 2018. It was the final match of the seed round and the game that we played determined which of us was going to flip up into the top bracket for for the rest of the weekend and who was going to be in bracket two yep and, and jason won that game i there needs to be a little more pretext to this as well oh so that's true yeah yeah go you're playing you're means. playing the Atari's guardians that year no the, no 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 he was playing iron, 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 Skull, iron jaws Iron Skulls, boys, into your sepulchral guard. This happened yeah. both years in a row? It Two did, years. yep. No. Oh. <laughs> Sorry for you. Um, yep. So anyway, so but so the pretext for the first year with sepulchral guard and Iron Skulls, boys, is I had won the, the, the wooden spoon at our local shop twice in a row. Like, I was not doing well. Let's just say that with my sepulchral guard. Um. When we got to Nova, we went up to the lounge, and this is kind of like what started my obsession with Nova our first year, is we went up to the lounge the day before and played five or six games. I think so. And it was just like you and me back and forth, back and forth, and I made a bunch of edits to the deck because of that whole thing. Um, I mean, heck, I didn't even have ready for action in the deck until that day. Yeah. and then I think it was those games that actually made it click. And yes, then I stomped you to get into the top eight. It, it's not a stop. It was like, I, I mean, I can recall it like it was yesterday. I think it was something like 32 to one or something like that. Yeah. It was, I think it was ridiculous. 31 to two. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, so that kicks this off. And so Jason, he makes it into the top eight Nova 2000. 18. I think the following year we played in some tournaments against each other. He beats me every time we play. It's normally always the second round too. And yep. one of the, the two twice it was at GW local events. And one of the, the one of the events you had me and you just got into your own head. And- I did. I did. <laughs> and then Nova 2019. To get so into the... we weren't, neither of us were doing well. Like, no. let's be like, this was to play into bracket two and bracket three. I'm playing Yotharis Guardians, which prior to the far update we're was crushing just every day. destroying everyone that I played against. That was, oh my God, that it was probably, it was an unfun experience. Um, but anyway, but I had been playing them so long that I had no reps with any other war band. So I took them. So so here we are. We're deciding who goes into bracket two and who goes into bracket three. Jason beats me. 
And then we continue to play in various tournaments, inevitably getting paired up in round two. Um, I think the last one before COVID lockdown was at the Fayetteville Games Workshop store. I was playing the Worm Spat. Jason was playing Far Striders. And he beats me in round two for that matchup. So we've heard it before. I think we've said it on the podcast multiple times. I am just snugly warm in Jason's <laughs> fleece lined pocket at this point when it comes to tournament play. When we're playing off tournament, when we're prepping, when we're deck building, when we're refining, generally, I think I'm, I have the upper hand. Yeah, when we were doing Friday night or Friday meetups, like f- Friday lunch spire, I think there was like a good two months, maybe a month and a half at the very least that I didn't win. It was just yeah. like, he just stomped me. Yep. So here we are going into round two. Jason's got his Hexbane's Hunters. I've got the Gnarl Spirit Pack. Both running Tooth and Claw. And uh, yeah, so game one. Game one, I, do. I get that stupid objective draw. You do get that stupid up. objective draw that tanks you hate. Nope. And you said that. You said as much after like you ditched and everything. So we so we go into it. And um, I think I did a pretty good job as far as like my first few activations. Like I'm ignoring the dogs as you should. You know, trying to take down Silent Pock early, which I do. Um, and then just trying to control engagements to the best of my ability, which is tough to do with Hexbane because if you're controlling engagements, it means you're likely taking down other fighters. And if you're taking down hunters, Jason's getting to apply upgrades for free or remove charge tokens. And so it was uphill mentally, but I end up securing game one, 19 to 12. So, yeah, that went well for me. Game well, game one definitely. Like I clogged turn one, and you you took out Pock early, which really really hurt. Um, I did not expect you to do that, um, and it was really the object. Like I knew right away. I, I guess my question for you is: is like what mental state were you in going into game one? Like were you okay, or were you like, oh crap, here we go again? <laughs> I mean, there was a there was a piece of me that was like, "Oh crap, here we go again!" Like I am, I am facing Jason in round two. I am, I'm gonna not win another tournament. <laughs> okay, so then after game one, you 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 feel better with that? I do feel a little better, and I and I feel better about the deck because I I was playing with a I have never played Gnarl Spirit Pack before that day. Like other than I think I did one test game with trace the night before we did play one test game. We played one test game just to make sure that you had some kind of rep in with it. Yeah. Yeah. I had an idea of what the fighter cards are, like what they do, why, like what they do in beast mode versus inspire. What the flip thing is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, that was already a thing, right? Like I'm not super comfortable with the war band, but the, my two games against Hank in, round one of the tournament, like helped me kind of get a feel for the war band, what they were capable of, where they were squishy, where they were weak. And so I think that helped going into, into our round into game one in our round. So going into game two in our round, I feel pretty good about 
the plan that I executed against you in game one. So I was basically just going to try to repeat that. Um, and uh, I think, so there were two, two signifying moments in, uh, in game two. And the first one was there was a roll off for priority. Yeah. And I rolled four crits. Four crits. Wow. Yep. So that was pretty remarkable. Rude. rude. It was rude. It was rude. rude. It was pretty rude. Um, but but I th- I think we had a solid back and forth in action phase one and action phase two. And then it comes to action phase three. Yeah, I think, well, so... But yeah, I've, back you, up. You, you, so turn one, you got out to a good lead again. Like I was already on, kind of on my back foot. Um, but I did take out the big guy from you, turn one. Yeah, so you like got I, Goral early. Goral early. So I had a little, mo- little more momentum than I did game one. And then I knew that the kind of the way Hexbane scores, right? I knew I was going to get that catch-up glory. Like there's lives well spent and proof of guilt. Like I'm yeah. gonna get I'm gonna get that catch up and it and it happened. And then turn three came out and you missed a big attack with Kira. I did. Which I was like, here is my shot. Here it was it your is. shot. <laughs> um and I set it up. And I remember before we like rolled through this and um, I was attacking with Hexbane and I had, I want to say it was Amos that was next to her. Yep. Um, and so I had Hexbane that was attacking. And if I was going to attack, I was going to get and could kill her. I'd get Supreme Savagery plus the kill plus a way to take out the, I want, forget who was standing next to her, but there was someone standing. One, another one of your fighters was standing next to her. And then I would have been able to take out that fighter. So it was basically going to be like a four glory kind of string. Right. Um, I had five dice with Hexbane. Yep. Okay. Whiffed. I just, no successes, no successes. Okay. No, not a, not a big deal. Cause I had, what the heck? There was a way. Uh, making a point. I had making a point. So now I'm going to play that. And it's yep. still an attack action. So he's still going to do it. And he's still supported. And he's still got all this stuff. And then I whiffed that. So well, now. You, you, didn't, you didn't whiff that one. Well, I I rolled and someone rolled one die. And, and <laughs> rolled a crit. You rolled, rolled five a- dice. Did not roll a crit. <laughs> I rolled one die. And I did roll a crit. Roll a crit, yes. <clears throat> and then... So I think at that point, you I had think... on the the makeshift crossbow, right? Because uh... I, I didn't move Kira. I didn't try to take down so, Hexbane. No, the way I take her down is I play uh, Dark Command because Amos had a charge token. Oh, that's because right. I had, yeah, yeah. I had missed her with uh, before that. I missed her with Amos, which wasn't the greatest attack, but yeah. like he had a charge token on him, so he was he was savage. savage. So I yep. ended up by taking her out. But that is three attacks on her that just right. and I th- actually I think I don't miss on the Amos now that I'm remembering it. You single death crypt, crypt me on that one too. 
I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Because you had two single death crits that game. Yeah, yeah. It was a sing- single death crit, and then you whiffed, and then I got another single, yeah, single crit death. So I do take her out, which is great, and I get the glory. But it was just like, but you didn't take on. her out with hexbane. An attack. Yeah, I didn't take her out with an attack. No. Which then hexbane didn't inspire, and Bridget didn't inspire, and it just kind of goes from there. <laughs> yeah. And then we were in this this state after that too, where, um, like I couldn't get charge tokens on everybody, but yet you had somebody that had the the upgrade where they either had to attack and move. Remember, because like you're like, oh, I can't charge who I want to charge, so I have to just keep swinging at this dog yeah. that's not going to give me glory. Yep. <laughs> um. So it was it was a great game, but that defined the second game. Um, and I don't remember what the score was, but I do remember just the dice. Just yeah, it was fifteen nine. Me. Fifteen nine. They just left me yeah, so closer, closer. And that was that was four glory in that one sequence that just right. robbed me. And then yep. I all my fighters ended up by dying and poor Hexbane <laughs> getting to handle handle the the gnarl spirit. Couldn't. So you climbed out of my pocket. You just I did. took down Hexbane, just got out of that yep. lined pocket. Congratulations uh-huh. on it that, was comfy. sir. Yeah. Jared but I wasn't done. Baby sugar you weren't there. done. You weren't done. But he, oh. he he didn't just climb out. He too owed me, Trace. This this is where. Yeah, yeah it, wasn't was a, like, it wasn't a claw. I wasn't clawing my way out. I basically just hiked my right leg up. Over the seam and cool. stepped right out. Kool Aid, Kool Aid, manned it out of there. Yeah. So at that at that point, I knew, I knew that I still had an outside chance to win if Jared went into game three and either got two owed or dropped, you know, a game. Um, like there was a chance that I could could claw back into it uh, if the right things happened because the next highest player was Taylor Huss, right? So yep. he. They they went on to play. I went on to play Aiden um, against Starblood Stalkers, and I will tell you, my dice luck carried right into the next game, uh, where uh, I like I had double supports. I had everything lined up on Clack Truck three times in a row, and that the first game that dinosaur just chopped me through. I was able to pull it out. I I won the first game by one glory. Um, and then the second game, my dice came back to normal, which they always do, right? Like, I am not one to complain about dice because over the course yep. of a tournament, it balances out. They came back to normal, uh, and the second game wasn't was all in my favor. Um, but he did take me to that game one. I won by one glory. Um, but the real action was right next to me. That's true. With, with Jared and Taylor playing yep. because this is big. Like he, if Taylor wins, yeah, Jared. So, so I think the important thing to note at this point is that I am, I am okay mentally, because I, if anybody has read the Name of the Wind, the the King Killer saga, there's a, a process called Heart of Stone, and you remove all emotion, and you rely on pure logic, so you. Turn your computer brain on. I am the only undefeated player at this point. 
and my glory differential is pretty significant. So as long as I can take one game from Taylor, I'll still end up winning because I'll have lost fewer games than he will. And my glory diff would, would carry me. So like I, so we would both have been on two wins. I would have only dropped one game the whole tournament. And so like both levels of tiebreakers mentally for me, I'm like, okay, we can do this. That's where I could have snuck in. Cause if you, that's, that's what, yeah. yeah. Cause you would have lost, you would have two rounds. And if you would, if he would have beat you, if he would have two owed me that, that would have been, so I needed to take one game from him. Yep. Um, in order to, to work things out. Um, so we go in and we're playing and I mean, it's gnarl spirit versus gnarl spirit. There are no surprises in, in what each of us is trying to do. Um, other than to his credit, I think his deck was a little bit more efficient than mine. Um, I took oath of ruin, which is the surge hybrid score. This, uh, Immediately after your warband removes an objective token in enemy territory or your warband takes an inspired enemy fighter in enemy territory out of action. I had no removal tech in my deck. I put this in kind of last minute, just planning on removing an inspired enemy fighter or ditching the objective if it wasn't going to work out for me. He had the same one, but he had removal tech. And in game one, he got two glory off of it because he had it in hand to declare it. And with as fast as Gnarl Spirit moves, there's no way for me to stop it. Right? Like he can get it on the first activation. I can't cover or flip or destroy three objectives in my territory before he can move on to one of them and remove it. So, So to his credit, like... I think, I mean, that's an excellent choice for that warband is to actually have the removal tech if you're going to take that objective. Um, But I knew what he was going to do. So I was still trying to complete my plan, but not, but also work against what he was trying to do. So like, you know, trying to get into his territory so that he's not taking me out in my territory, you know, forcing him to stay in his own. Um, And and then in that game, it worked out. So I, I went, I take game one, 15, 11 dice were, were fairly even. Um, and then we go into game two and dice are crazy. And we're both losing fighters left and right. We're losing fighters so quickly that we have to ditch kill objectives throughout the course of the game because we wow. can't score them because there aren't enough fighters left alive to score them in subsequent rounds. Um, we get to the last action phase um, and all either of us has left is Sarkar. He has his Sarkar who is tooled <laughs> up uh, doing three damage on, on the doing three damage on his Range staff. Two, the staff. And my Sarkar has five wounds. So there's some give and take there, right? In that if he has some attacks fail, then maybe I'll stay alive. But if he kills me, he's going to get two glory for the kill. And I'm looking at the glory. I have 11. 
He has nine. I am not scoring any more of my cards unless I kill his Sarkar. I was going to go up by two at most. But he had declared an oath. So if he kills me, I know he's going to win. So we go and we're playing around. I just play cat and mouse the whole time. I'm just moving away from him. So he charges, misses the first attack. And at this point, I'm trying to decide, do I like try to go back and forth with him a couple times? Or do I not? Because we both have the upgrade that lets us push after an attack action. So like he's always going to be able to stay within range. And so I'm like, nope, I'm not going to play this game. I'm going to run away. So I run away, spend my activations, and I get onto an objective. And we go into end phase. And I say, okay, I'm not scoring anything else. So unless you can score three glory, we're going to tie and I'll take it. And he lays down his end phase and he scores three glory. Mm. So we end game two. And he two. was pumped. He was pumped. He was pumped. He was pumped. Yeah. And it was, so we it, was a game, great, it was a great game. It was. It was good. And it was visceral and, and it was a ton of fun. And I think we both made really good decisions. Um, yeah, but it ended 12-11. So then we go into round three, the dreaded round three. And at this point, for deployment, I completely leave, leave Heart of Stone and go completely emotional. And I'm about to get in Taylor's pocket. And Jason could see it happening, but he didn't say anything until after the fact, thankfully. Well, so I think you have to go. So you you start game three, you pick a board, and you lay out that board, and yep. he takes the first activation with Kara, and what happens? Yeah, so this is where I get emotional, and I'm not thinking about the logic of the game. And I have set three fighters all within two hexes of each other. So first activation, he charges Kira in and swing, he swings around, hits uh, Lupin for two, hits Sarkar for one, but misses Kira. And it's at that point, I'm like, I could have gone two ways. I could have lost my mind <laughs> and ended up in Taylor's pocket or, and thankfully this is what I did. I could assess the board state and say, actually, this is now like a better position for me because he it has was. thrown Kira so far into my territory to do this first attack Yeah, that I can completely control every engagement. So Lupin's on one wound. Wait, before yeah, Lupin's on one wound, but Trace, I right hand to to the sky above, right? I hear this happen, and you know, of course the people that are watching are like, oh, like everyone's got a wound token. And it's the first activation of the game. And I look over and you could see on Jared's face that like he was like, it's gonna it's gonna happen again. Like yep. it, I messed it. up. I I've messed done, up. This I've is my mistake for myself. I done messed up, eh, Ron? And I just look at him right in the face, and I'm like, "Just play the game. 
That's yep. all I said was just play the game. And like, then you could see his face, like, kind of, like literally change. Like it was like the blood came back. Cause you were totally like, you, like I can see your eyes. You're like, I messed up. This is my, my one mistake all day long yep. and I, and I'm over. And then you did it. And then you just collected yourself and you realized, holy cow, he overextended without, without getting a kill. Yes. I'm in a bad position because everybody yep. has a wound token, yep. but he didn't kill any fighter. Right. And so Lupin's got one wound. I charge Lupin to the back of my board to throw his javelin at Kira. I hit Kira for two damage, but now Lupin is at the back of my board. So if he's going to come in for the easy kill on Lupin, who's got one wound left, he's got to overcommit further. He's going to have to overcommit again. And he does. And he sends his Lupin in. Lupin is trapped. There's like a block text on the back of my board. So he comes in and he sends his Lupin in and he kills my Lupin. But now his Lupin is overextended again. And so it's at this point that I'm just like methodically like taking fighters down as they come into my territory. Mm -hmm. Um, He does end up taking down Lupin. And I think he got Goral. But that was all the glory he scored. Yeah, you you, at the end of turn one, you only had two fighters left. So even even though the plan was working in your head when you looked at the state of the board it was not good (laughs) it was not good yeah but he proceeded to not score anything else because i was able to pick his warband apart and he couldn't execute on any of his plans because he didn't have the fighters to do so and i had some in phase that i was still going to be able to score even with two fighters left and so we ended up ending that third game 11 to 2 so he took out two fighters, but didn't score any objectives because I did what Jason said and I just played the game. It was fun. So went back in a, a little more into your heart of stone after that. Yeah. yeah. Call out from old Jason there. From a coach. Congratulations. You got a, you got your second tournament victory, but your first shade glass trophy. That's true. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, which is uh, which is cool, and it's red, and I'm jealous because now both yeah. of you have red trophies, and I do not. That's all right. There'll be more opportunities. There will be. Um, Jason, you have we... how many now? You have what? Four? Oh, I can't even count. Oh. That's because you're so bad at counting. <laughs> no, there's there's only four plus the the tier for winning the second tier at Nova. So yeah. But yeah, it was it was good. It was really good to see you calm down and just focus on the game and and see the state of the board. That was probably my favorite interaction. Was like just he's losing it. He's I yeah, and I like if I was play, yeah, and if I was playing against him, I would have totally leveraged it. I would just been like I would have like leaned in and go, oh absolutely, oh you done messed get up back in my pocket now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what would have exactly happened. What would have happened? <laughs> So it was good. And, and and then you got a, not only did you get the GW swag, you got something else too, right? Yeah. So they 3d printed like a little token caddy that I got too, which is pretty cool. It was cool. It was awesome guys. I'm glad you guys had a good time. I'm glad that Jared got a, some hardware to bring home. 
And I didn't have to go to the bathroom every hour on the car hey, rides. That's a that's a positive. That's an always an added bonus when I'm along yeah. for the trip. It was it was a benefit. You can almost mm-hmm. set your watch by it, folks. <laughs> almost. <laughs> so did it change like the fact that you've now won a trophy? Like you view the game differently? Does it change your like the way you approach it? I don't think so. I mean, I know that's just a six man tournament, but yeah, I mean, I mean, it's just nice to know that like I can win a tournament, right? Like, well, I think we've yeah. always known that. It's just a matter of you. I mean, you're a good player, and so it's just yeah. a matter of in that moment just settling down and just doing Making what you right always choices. do when we're playing. Just it's, it's the same thing as when you're playing like backyard football with your buddies, right? Like you're just relaxed or whatever. If you were to go into some professional setting, yeah. just like get all this pressure and just remember, like, it's just a game. Let me just have fun. And that's what makes me good at the game. Right. So, yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. So <clears throat> post tournament, let's start with the easy question because you are playing our spirit pack and you use tooth and claw as your building deck. You mentioned that there may have been a misstep with an objective. Is there anything else that you change? And more importantly for our listeners, is this deck posted on our website? Um, I don't know that there's anything that I would change. And uh, it is, I don't think that the one that is posted on the website is the same. It is not. So I will post it. Yeah, it'll be posted by the time this episode is published. Okay, but there you wouldn't add like blow up tech to it to score that objective, or I don't know what I would pull out to do so. Okay, and maybe my second. Oh, here we go. Yeah, there might be a couple of changes I would make. So I have some stagger tech in there. I think that could come out and and be replaced with the blow up tech. I generally am pretty happy with it knowing that it's a nemesis deck and that it has a low glory ceiling that I have to play around that. Okay. And the second question is just specifically with narrow spirit pack. So we've like, everyone knows they're very good. They're very efficient. Do you think that they are in a league of their own? And if you do, what do you think tones them back in? Hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, so that's tough because I've only really played them at the one event. So I don't know how they play into like everything that's out there, really. Yeah. I feel um, like they play, play very differently into like a more elite style or band. It sounds like you played mostly wider. Yeah. Bands. Yeah, I mean, playing into the Gets, there's a ton of two wound fighters there. Playing into Hexbane, there's a ton of two wound fighters there. So you can really leverage Lupin and Kira yep. in that regard. I mean, even the high, volume of, the high volume of dice and attacks and stuff at lower damage. Yeah. Really come into play there. So yeah. Having accurate two damage attacks is really powerful into those, but like, I don't know, like how do they go into worm spat where maybe that damage gets reduced? Right. If not blocked altogether. And then um, potentially them getting just thumped right back. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, there are, I mean, there are, 
they're a well-equipped warband and they have the tools to do more or less whatever they want between Lupin's range three attack, Sarkar's range two attack, and him going to move six. So do you think that that's fair? Because I mean, there was a point in our game where I said the classic and you get that, like, yeah, if I'm saying that in one of our games, that is really what I'm saying in my head is there has to be some mistake. There is no way you get this, 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 and that like, yeah. and I'm not often wrong. Normally it's like we've made a mistake reading a card or something, but when it came to this matchup, there was that moment and it was like, Oh yeah, I get that. So um, I think, I mean, it's pretty public on the, the discord channels and stuff that do you think that it is overpowered that they just instantly get a spirit counter and most of them just add move or in something else. Like it's like, why even have the uninspired side to their card? Yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe. I mean, it, it seems like this is like the better crimson court, right? Like the crimson court has a two state mode, but it takes work to get them in either state. Yeah. And I mean, and it's, there's some fairly significant, well, not significant, but they, they have, they have flaws when they're either inspired or when they're bloodthirsty. Yeah. You're, you're not getting one thing or another thing when they're, they're bloodthirsted or, or inspired. Um, but the fact that you can, you could put them in beast mode in one activation and then inspire them in the next. You put them on guard, give them a spirit counter. There you remove mode. it. I'm looking yeah, at Goral, right? Goral, you activate him, you put him on guard, you give him a spirit counter. Now he's two block on guard. And then the next turn, you could charge with him. I mean, he's not going to get the inspire until, you know, after he removes it. But then, you know, he's he's now allowing people to hold objectives, beasts to hold objectives and re-roll their defense die. So you feel like- I don't know. I may, I mean, maybe they are, maybe they are in a, in a tier of their own right now in the current state of the game. I would be curious to see how they would play into like a steel heart with fearsome fortress though. Like somebody who relishes them coming into their territory do you and feel can like- weather some attacks and hit that card. Do you feel like that the, and I'm just spitballing, right? Do you feel like making the adding of the counter counter mandatory might make them a better option? Like, because if you add the counter, don't they uninspire again, right? Yeah, to me, it's not even, it's the fact that, okay, I'm going to activate Crimson Kara and I give her a token so I activate her, give her a token, and she instantly gets Grievous 1 and Scything. Like, yeah. I don't even have to, like, it's not like I don't even have to wait a turn. I just get it. Or Lupin yeah. gets, like, double successes plus in, plus a move. Like, that's, like, basically playing Spectral Wings. Yeah. But you don't even have to have a power step. Like, you just, yeah, you just do it. Boom. Yeah. Here you go. Um, that's that's rough. Because yeah. and, and that's where what, what got me when we were playing it. It was like okay, you run, and I I was prepared for that, right? Like we we've played that, but then it was okay. You ran all the way across. You gave him a spirit counter. 
then you removed it and now he's like he supports everyone he's supporting everyone from everywhere um they're like once he's inspired he supports each friendly fighter which is a beast from like across the map right Mm -hmm. and i was like okay and then kira like no one's inspiring her because her scything attacks amazing right goral as soon as you activate him he's on plus he's on two shields like because you're giving him a spirit counter and then still heart yeah and then he's still heart but it doesn't take any work to get there so i guess that's we definitely saw in like our little little tournament and we've seen it on meetup nights they are aggro and the dice can go cold right and then they aren't unkillable they are you can you can beat them but the fact that you get a plus two move or a plus like for just activating, which you're going to do anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it seems a little crazy. Big. That's big. So anyway, thanks for, well, thanks even for in that. the, even in the tournament that you and I get played a game, Jared, like it, if, if you can mitigate a couple of their attacks with some decent defense rolls, like it, it yeah. makes it, it's it's tough if they don't land their attacks it's hard yeah it turns uphill for sure yeah but the fact that they get so much they do get a lot i will agree with that i will agree with that absolutely yeah well gentlemen thank you for uh thank you for uh talking us through your tournament experience and you know i think um it's nice to get out and get about and get some events again and Hopefully we'll have a nice turnout at our next uh, meetup at Atomic on the 6th. Um, that is at Atomic Empire. So if you guys are interested in coming and playing some Underworlds and you're listening to this episode and you're in the area, um, please come come hang out with us. If you've played several times and want to just come play a couple games and not learn, that's fine too. Um, but appreciate you guys for talking us through it. Congratulations on the dub there, Mr. Johnson. Thank you, sir. Um, Get back in my pocket, you jerk. I think it's really cozy in there. Um, <laughs> we're going to take a break real quick and then we'll come back and wrap up the show. And we're back and uh, that'll wrap up this, the 48th episode of the battle mallet podcast. I uh, just want to say thanks as always for listening. Um, you know, like subscribe, smash that subscribe button or whatever it is that the YouTubers say these days. Um. Yeah. So Hit that you know, we appreciate bell. feedback. Yeah. Yeah. The notification bell. Right. Um. We have a Discord. The link to the Discord server is in our show notes. It's on our website. Uh. We have a blog. Uh. We have a website. So battle-mallet.com. That'll link you to the podcast, to the blog, um, and to our Nemesis decks. Um. So if you have interest in growing your nemesis community we have taken the time to build out nemesis decks for every warband in existence so far um and we've and had some communities and we've had some community yeah, input too yeah, yeah. we've had so, we've had a lot of community input several, which is awesome people, which yeah. is what we wanted so that's yeah. amazing thank you community all input. for those of the submitted decks yeah we're getting feedback on things that we've messed up which is totally fine because it was definitely a hack job to get all 40 six i think at the time war bands with decks but um but it's fun and it's cool to see the engagement that we're we're seeing in the discord around the nemesis decks and 
throwing things back and forth. Trace mentioned this in the previous section, but we've got two meetups coming up. Um, we're going to do a learn to play Underworlds at Atomic Empire in Durham on the 6th of February. Uh, and that'll kick off around 6 p.m. and we'll stay there. I guess Atomic closes at 10. Uh, on I think they, yeah, they close late. So I yeah. think it's either so, 10 or 11. Yeah, so we'll be hanging out, um, either playing uh, if the people that are there know how to play or teaching if people want to learn. Um, and then uh, keep an eye on the Facebook and the Twitter. Uh, I think our tentative plan is to go to the Game Theory in Wake Forest on the 20th uh, to do a meetup there to see if we can drum up That's some interest in, in the community up there and, and get some more games in. Uh, but we're excited about building the community and I just want to say thanks to Jason and Trace for talking to the managers at both of those stores to get our, our foot in the door to grow the Underworlds player base here in the Triangle. Yeah. Happy to do cool. it. So with that, uh, we are a Sugar Glider who is free. A man who needs to remember to take his wallet out of his pocket so that his opponent tournaments have room. <laughs> and in a poor soul who was not able to make the turn. There we go. I was going to say an arms warrior making his way through Dragonflight. But you're probably Fury, right? I've done both. Okay. Nice. Sweet. This is Jared signing out. This is Trey signing out. And I'm Jason Table Newbury. Get the hell out of here. Peace. Battle Mallet Podcast is protected under the Creative Commons license. If you have further questions as to its use, you can find more information via links on podcast.battle-mallet.com. Music by Anno Domini Beats. Is that the break? <laughs> Just cut it right there. <laughs> we'll be right back.